baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. All right, I spent some time at the um, beginning of the show talking about the chaos in Washington. I played this kind of want to play it again as we welcome in Scott Jennings. This is Congresswoman Victoria Sparks. She's from Indiana and had voted. Uh, I think she may have even voted for McCarthy. But anyway, her, her last vote was present. Because she's saying, we just got to figure this out. Well, I think it's important for us as Republicans to address concern and come to an agreement and don't waste everyone's time. We need to have further deliberation to make sure that we can elect a speaker. And Kevin still need to have a discussion with the members that have concerns if he want to be a speaker. So we need to go back to the conference room and have this discussion, not wasting time on the floor because no one is going to budge. It's not going to change. And I think we have a constitutional duty to elect the speaker. Speaker, but it's a deliberative process. This body needs to learn to deliberate and come to an agreement. Could have been Jaja or Ava Gabor, but it was Victoria Sparks. Scott Jennings with us from inside. Are you inside the Beltway or you're in Louisville right now? Are you in the uh, the chaos? No, no, I'm not in the chaos. I'm, I'm uh, thankfully out here in middle America in Kentucky tonight. Happy New Year, Jennings. How are you? I'm good, man. Happy New Year to you. I'm glad to be home for a change and uh, watching all this uh, chaos and drama unfold and hearing from my friends who are in the chamber, and, and uh, not a one of them knows how it's going to end. Well, that, that's what's interesting. You know, I love it. I, I was telling this story at the beginning of the show. So when, when things happen, whether it's Missouri politics or St. Louis County or St. Louis City or national, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a fair amount of time. I call people like you and say, what the hell is really going on here? And everybody that I've asked that question to has no idea, really don't know how no, it's going to end, right? They don't. I, I know they've been meeting this afternoon, McCarthy, with the people who are against McCarthy and and they're supposed to come back in at 8 o'clock tonight. It strikes me, though, that inside the group of 20 that's against McCarthy, there are five who have said they are a no under all circumstances. You know, there may be people to peel off, but five's the magic number. He can only afford to lose four, and there have been these five people that have said, you know, it's uh, uh, hell no to McCarthy, right. period. And so, you know, they've already get the, the thing about McCarthy is he's already given away everything you can give away. I mean, he he agreed to everything they asked for, and they still voted against him. They don't really understand, you know, the nature of transactional politics. You ask for stuff, I do it. You're supposed to do what <laughs> – you're supposed to hold up your end of the bargain, except these people never do. So I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, maybe he can find a way tonight, but it's far from certain. Let, let me play this. This is um, one of the opposition members, Scott Perry, Pennsylvania. Now, this is not about – this is not about personalities – it's not about personalities. It's about personalities, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, it absolutely is. Scott Perry, by the way, is one of the geniuses who delivered the plan to ra- ransack the Capitol on January the 6th. <laughs> so th- this is who McCarthy is dealing with. These are the people who always know best. These are the people who never uh, recognize when the majority of a group wants to do something. These are the people who I'm always smarter than you. These are the shutdown people. I mean, th- this is who he's dealing with. They're not rational actors. They don't really want anything other than a scalp. So, yes, it is personal because it's Kevin McCarthy's scalp that they want. And, uh, and I suspect uh, Perry will be one of the five that won't relent. 
But but aren't there only a couple of paths here? Either Kevin McCarthy keeps doing this and keeps doing it, which apparently they're doing because the vote totals keep being the same, or they have an alternative candidate that people can get behind. And I don't know who that might be. And I've made this case, Scott, I think you would agree. Let's say Steve Scalise is that guy, right? Steve Scalise isn't going to operate any differently than Kevin McCarthy would as speaker when it comes to priorities, would he? He would not operate any differently. It would give the people who are against McCarthy what they really want, a scalp. All they want to do is go on Fox News or Newsmax or whatever and say, look at us. We killed a bona fide member of the Washington establishment. We killed, you know, one of these swamp creatures. And, you know, that's that's what you sent us here to do is to kill these people off. One of them. That, that's it. That's all they want. And so, no, Scalise wouldn't be any different than Kevin McCarthy, but it would give them, you know, the scalp that they want and to fundraise off of, et cetera, et cetera. That's the thing. These folks, I don't really think, want a legislative outcome. They don't think they really want a procedural outcome. They just want the scalp. (laughs) And so if you're McCarthy, how do you negotiate with people uh, whose only desired outcome is for you to go away? There's nothing to give them uh, that would be acceptable. Uh, The the person that I've kind of paid more attention to perhaps is Chip Roy. And and I I like Chip Roy a little bit, and I, I think that he says things that make sense. But let me ask this from from this position, because um, right before Christmas, the omnibus was voted on. We got a senator here who's no longer a senator. Eric Schmidt was sworn in yesterday, which is awesome. He's been a good friend for many years. Roy Blunt, though, was seen as the evil establishment. He was a guy that was compromising. And there were all these votes from Republicans, many of whom left office on that omnibus. Now, Congressman Davis came on yesterday. Rodney, I'm sure you know Rodney, former member now, because Mary Miller unfortunately beat him and talked about how, you know, there are constitutional requirements. TSA agents, the uh, I think they should not have gotten a raise, but they did. The border agents, the military are all covered under that omnibus. On the other hand, uh, Scott, I think people, Republican voters, conservatives, people worried about this could sit back potentially and say, look, you know, we, we just voted for you because we want some fiscal sanity. They don't understand the process. This is complicated. I get it. But doesn't that send a terrible message to voters a month and a half after the midterms that we don't really care about what you thought? Well, uh, look, the, the, the theory of the Chip Roy's of the world was that we should wait for the House Republicans to take the majority to then negotiate the government spending. These people can't even negotiate who the Speaker of the House is going to be. These people couldn't organize a two-car funeral right now, and we, we were going to trust them to organize the government spending. Like, I totally agree. Omnibus is a terrible way to operate. This is not how it's supposed to be. It's not regular order. It's awful. It lacks transparency. This is what the Democrats produced. They were in control of the government. This is what they produced. This was the the best deal we could get. If you're a Republican and you're a conservative and you want to find some silver lining in that deal, we got a massive increase in defense spending. Good for our military. Good for our veterans. Good for our national security. And the Democrats didn't get much of anything in the way of their domestic priorities. That's okay. But I totally agree. It's a terrible way to operate the government. Uh, but but right now, the House Republicans, to me, don't look like they would have been able to do anything much at all because they can't even agree amongst themselves on who the leader is. So how could they have ever written a funding of uh, an appropriations bill? That's laughable. Well, there's I, the other thing I tried to do at the beginning of the show is kind of rein some of this back in, because let's face it, when those of us and you're more in this bubble than I am because I'm just a talk show host, but this is your world. I think we sometimes forget about the rest of the planet and the rest of the country and the people who are going about living their lives and 
when all is said and done here, whoever the speaker is, I think Republicans are going to be just fine moving forward. This is part of the process. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a little confusing right now. And I don't know why these votes keep getting called when the end result is exactly the same. But I think to describe this in the way that certainly the Democrats have, because they love this, and even some Republicans is a little um, a little bit too yeah. hyperbolic, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the average person who's not locked into this, you know, on 24-7 like some people are, they don't really care. I mean, honestly, there's probably some world where the Republican Party's uh, brand rating has never been higher. I mean, we've ground the government to a halt. The Congress can't do anything. To a lot of people, that's a good thing. <laughs> let's let's grind the Congress to a halt yeah. so they'll stop doing all the bad things uh, that we don't like it when they do. But I, I agree with you. It's a process issue. To the insiders, it's a big deal. Eventually, a speaker will be elected. The Republicans are going to do what they're going to do, which is investigate Joe Biden. They're going to pass some bills on the border. Uh, they're probably going to look at reigning in big tech. I mean, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do regardless of who the speaker is. Where the rubber hits the road will be when we hit our debt limit here in a few weeks. And the, the negotiations will take place between the Congress and the White House about raising the debt limit. And I think this speaker's battle is a preview of that. I mean, is there, do you see any world where this Republican conference is going to raise the debt limit? I don't. No. So that's the, that's the next thing. Is the United States going to default on its on its uh, debts? And so uh, th- to me, this whole week is really more about that than anything else. Scott Jennings with us, 97.1 FM Talk, political insider. It will be interesting to see what happens in the end. There's no doubt about that. I'm um, just as someone who likes to talk about these things from the sidelines. It's pretty exciting just because it's it's interesting. And I don't think anyone really knows and they're not making predictions, which is what I hear from you. You're not going to make a prediction, right? I'm not going to make a prediction. I mean, something will get settled. I just, I do find it curious. You've got 222 people. 202 want to do one thing. 20 want to do something else. In virtually every organizational body in the world, public or private, 200 versus 202 versus 20. I mean, 202 will get get its way, except in this case. And I and I do think the average person is looking at it saying, "Well, wait a minute." 202 people want to do one thing, 20 want to do – why are 20 people in charge of 200 people? It does seem antithetical to the way the House normally works. The House is a majoritarian body. It's not like the Senate. You know, The Senate operates on the 60-vote threshold out of 100. It's weird. But the House basically operates on majorities. And right now, 20 people are <laughs> dictating to 200 what the, what's going to happen, and, and I don't really think they have a plan B, truthfully, that the 20 people who don't like McCarthy – They've not yet put up a viable alternative. No, there is no. no plan B. Chaos is plan but B. But you, you, I think you nailed it because the the end goal here is getting his head. But the, they might get that end goal. They might. They might. And uh, and then, but I'll tell you this: whoever they put in in place of McCarthy, do you think they're going to leave that person alone? If they put in Steve Scalise, and in two weeks Steve Scalise does something they don't like, they'll be after him yeah, too. No, they'll of say, course. oh, right. You know, well, well, he's he's worse than we thought. Now we got to get rid of him. It, this, this is a never-ending game for these people. They've never been more popular or relevant, or uh, they've never gotten this much attention in their lives. I mean, Scott Perry. I mean, this guy. He, he's never been. You know, he's never had this much power. And so, for them, it's not about the public service. It's about the attention and the power and the self-aggrandizement, and that's no way to run a party or a government. Well, and I won't play this this audio again when you're here because it, it runs a minute 22. I played it earlier. How about Marjorie Taylor Greene on the other side of this, which is kind of crazy? She She's ripping all these people the same way you are. Yeah, she's uh, obviously thrown in with McCarthy, and he obviously has given her whatever it is she asked for. 
But, you know, in, in, in this one, I mean, I'm normally critical of her because she's usually a Looney Tunes. In this one, in this one <laughs> right, instance, exactly. in this one instance, she's right. And, yeah. uh, and so good for her. I mean, that, but that's the thing. Out of 222 people, 202 are in the same place. So it's, you know, most of the Republicans are in the same place. Remember, they went to a conference vote. 85% of the Republicans voted for McCarthy. I mean, this is not, it wasn't close. It's not like, you know, it's 50-50 in there and he won by one vote. It was overwhelming, the support for McCarthy. So that's what's so strange about this is that the idea that there's five people or 10 people or 20 people who think they should be able to tell 435 what to do. It's, it, it is really antithetical to the way this particular chamber is supposed to work. Did he not have really a choice? Because one of the questions that, that I think people I've had is usually when you're shepherding legislation, I mean, Nancy Pelosi would be a good example of this. You're not putting something up for a vote unless you have the votes, right? I mean, that's kind of there's backdoor deals that get done. You think you, the whip goes around, counts the votes. You got the votes, you yeah. move forward. In this case, he knew he didn't have the votes, didn't he? Yeah, but he didn't have a choice. I mean, Congress convenes when it convenes. You know, you you can't you can't put off the opening of Congress. I think he thought that by going ahead and just moving forward that a lot of these people would cave. I'll be honest. I thought he was somewhere between five and ten were going to oppose him when the number was 19 and then 20. I was shocked. I, I oh, was okay. more than I had been led to believe were going to come out against him. And so obviously he had way more work to do than than a lot of us have been led to believe. Uh, but still, again, whether it's five or whether it's 20, the overwhelming number of Republicans still want him. There's not a viable alternative to him. So, again, I ask, what is plan B for the people who want to hold this thing up? They don't have no, they, one. They, they, don't, haven't, they don't have one. Did you see, I retweeted this earlier. This was brilliant. They always are. The Babylon Bee's take on this? <laughs> no, what do they think? In an overnight vote, and they have a picture of the guy um, from behind the dais last year, Buffalo guy, elected Speaker of the House. You know, the uh, the crazy guy <laughs> who wore the, the hat that was represented by one of our lawyers here in St. Louis, by the way. Uh, Jennings, on a sad note, were you watching that Monday night football game? I was not watching the game. I saw the clip shortly after it happened, and oh my gosh, what a terrible thing. I'm glad this guy is apparently improving. Uh, I, I mean, just stunning. And, uh, Honestly, given the size and speed of these players, it's sort of shocking, you know, the, that there aren't more serious uh, health injuries like that right out Why of Why aren't you, you know, kind of surprised uh, as a baseball guy, you know, because there have been some really bad things that have happened. What was the, the pitcher? He just left the Cardinals a couple of years ago that got hit in the eye, and I had interviewed him. He wrote a book about this. Who am I thinking about? You're better at these names. But I'm, I'm actually surprised that something in Major League Baseball hasn't happened closer to this, where it looked like, because if we're being honest, those of us watching the game, we, we took a step back and said, did we watch someone just die in front of us? Yeah, uh, there was a hockey player a few years ago. Was it Chris Pronger? Chris Pronger. Yeah, we got, talked about that. That was like 20, 20 something years ago. Yeah. Yeah, he got hit in the chest. And, um, you know, there have been some, some baseball injuries where the ball has hit people in the eye and other places. But, but yeah, it, it's kind of stunning. But it, it speaks, I think, to the, to the level of fitness of these athletes that they're able to absorb such, uh, such uh, you know, sort of violent blows to their body. But, you know, thankfully, this guy is going to make it, and people have uh, really rallied around him. And uh, I tell you, the, these athletes, man, they, they put their bodies – they are in danger. <laughs> you know, they put their lives on the line in oh, some no ways. Oh, about it. On the line to, to entertain the rest of us. So prayers for him, and, and thank goodness he's going to make it. Producer Fred Bottomer saved me here. It was uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon who wrote a book Ponce about de Leon. that. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy story. Jennings, Happy New Year. We'll be talking baseball before you know it. Uh, I can't wait. Thanks, Mark. All right, we'll see you. Get more at 971talk.com. 
All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.